A quick warning before we begin. This episode will contain the names of people and places that are entirely fictional, which I'm sure to mispronounce often. I hope you'll find it in your heart to forgive me. Enjoy the show. Between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world. Hither came Conan, the Cimmerian, sword in hand. It is I, his chronicler, who knows well his saga. Now let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Stephen or else media, this is Hither Came Conan, treading the jeweled thrones of Hyboria beneath my sneakered feet, one comic book at a time. I'm your host, my name is Stephen, and hey, it's time once again to step out of the 70s and step back into the present with issue number six of Conan the Barbarian from Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics. This issue hit the stands on Wednesday, January the 3rd, 2024. And the title of the story is Thrice Marked for Death, Part 2, The Cursed. It was written by Jim Zub, art by Doug Braithwaite, colors by Diego Rodriguez, letters by Richard Starkings, and the editor was Matt Murray. Into the boat! Previously in Conan the Barbarian. Conan, following the tragic loss of his one true love, Belit, the Queen of the Black Coast, has taken a job in Shadazar working as muscle for a crew of thieves who call themselves the Glory Hounds. The crew has been hired to break into the Temple of Bell and steal a valued jewel called Tareem's Touch, a suicide job for most, but the Glory Hounds make it happen. When they locate Tareem's Touch, however, Conan recognizes it for what it is, a bit of the black stone he encountered during the whole bound in Blackstone arc from issues one through four. He tells his team not to touch the shard of Blackstone, knowing what it could lead to, but Conan is ignored. It's Tareem's touch, dude. They gotta touch it because they gotta take it. That was the job. And so Kamal takes hold of the Blackstone shard, removing it from the chest it was found in as a trio of spectral horrors appear behind him. As issue six opens, before we have any resolution to the cliffhanger ending of the previous issue, what, with the three glowing green spirits with murder in their eyes, we first have another flashback, another memory of Conan's time with Belit. In the flashback, Conan is swimming through a specific memory, one in which Belit has asked him if he fears the gods. Conan gives his thoughts on Mitra, Set, and Bell before the memory shifts and we see Belit dead, hanging from the yard arm of her ship, before it shifts once again, and we see her spirit return to aid Conan as he battles the winged horror that killed her. The flashback ends, and we are back in the present as the three skeletal specters attack. One of the spirits goes immediately for Kamal, who is holding the shard of black stone, which the spirits refer to as the vessel. Conan, very much the man of action, 
tackles Kamal in order to remove him from harm. Why didn't you just yell, look out? Didn't you read my green sheet? Man of action. Another spirit plunges its hand into Grief's chest, which doesn't kill the lockpick, but it does incapacitate him, and he's out for the rest of the issue. None of the glory hounds know how to fight ghosts until Kamal has himself one humdinger of an idea. He tosses a small pouch into the air near where the three specters float and shouts at Conan to hit it with his sword. Conan does so and the bag rips open, exploding and showering the spirits in a dust of pure silver, which drives them back. Taking advantage of the distraction, Conan tosses grief over a shoulder and the glory hounds beat feet. The specters give chase as Conan and the crew flee aimlessly, searching desperately for a way out of the temple until they eventually stumble into a room full of armed monks. Conan crouches, places grief gently on the floor, then rises, pulling his sword. While Kamal gasps that there are too many for them to fight, Chandra points out that there really aren't. That is, there aren't too many for Conan. Before anyone can so much as blink, the Sumerian is among them, his blade cutting each of them down like stalks of wheat. For his teammates, this is the first time they've borne witness to the full savagery of the barbarian, and they look on with a newfound fear in their hearts. The trio of spirits arrive before the last body has hit the floor, pulled to the room by the smell of blood. They demand the return of the vessel, stating that it's waiting for a greater power. They take out first Kamal, then Chandra, using the same icy touch they had used on Grief. Unlike Grief, however, the other two glory hounds are still conscious. It's as they direct their full attention on Conan that the specters suddenly sense that the Sumerian has come in contact with the vessel, the Black Stone, once before. Furthermore, they now know that Conan has already felt their master's touch and that the barbarian may be worthy, perhaps. With that, the specters seem satisfied, and so they fade away. Conan and the crew, however, still have a job to do. They have Tareem's touch, the shard of black stone. Now they just need to find a way out of the temple. And so, Conan, the man with the plan, snatches up a fresh corpse and tosses it through a nearby window, shattering the glass and creating a means for their escape. Soon after, Conan, Chandra, and Kamal meet up with Yakur the Found, the monk who had hired them. And when he takes hold of the black stone, Yakur can tell right away that something is wrong. The vessel, he claims, is empty. It no longer carries the spark within. It's passive, powerless, utterly inert. He's curled up his tootsies. He's shuffled off this mortal coil. He's run down the curtain and joined the bleeding choir invisible. It also means, Yakur explains, that Tareem's touch is of no use to him and therefore refuses to pay the glory hounds the exorbitant fee he has promised them. Conan, placing a firm hand on Yakur's shoulder, tells the monk that he will pay, or the Sumerian will simply take the coin from the man's corpse. The monk, looking Conan in the eye, is suddenly overcome with terror, but not, it seems, from the barbarian's threat. Yakur stammers out that they've already escaped. He hands over a fat purse of coins to Conan and then flees, but not before telling the thieves to spend their money while they can, which I don't know, sounds a bit ominous. With Payday now in hand, the Sumerian goes back to what he was doing at the opening of the previous issue, 
and that's getting himself good and drunk. Chandra joins him, and it's not long before the two get a room and do the stuff that two adults do when they're together and naked. No way, gross. As the issue ends, and as Conan is snoozing away in post-coital bliss, Chandra suddenly goes all blank in the eyes, snatches up a wicked-looking curved dagger, and makes ready to murder the big barbarian. So, this issue was just brutal. I mean, very violent, very bloody. There were boobies. Boobies? And it really earned the mature reader's warning on the cover. But I'll tell you what. uh, How about instead of me fumbling my way through trying to explain why I enjoyed the issue, you know, in that intelligent sort of way that a, a reviewer might do so, Let's just talk about my favorite bits in that segment that I like to call Stephen's Stephen's Favorite favorite Bits. So we'll start, of course, with the cover. It's a Jay Lee cover, and it has Conan with Belit. It's a very simple cover, and yet quite beautiful at the same time. It's really nice looking. It's a nice looking cover. It's one of my favorites so far of the series. We also have covers by Patch Zerker, Dan Panosian, and Joey Spiato. And I don't know, I love all four of these covers, but the Joey Spiato cover just might be my favorite as it's a play on those old golden books that I used to read as a kid, you know, like Scruffy the Tugboat and the Pokey Little Puppy. It's got baby Conan looking just all kinds of cute and adorable, like You know, the kind of kid you would see on the cover of a picture book made for preschoolers. But this Conan, while his head is thrown back and he's laughing and he's cute and he's got these chubby, rosy cheeks, he's also holding a sword in one hand and a bloody double-bladed axe in the other while he's sitting in a pool of blood that has skulls floating about in it like, like bath toys. It even has the gold spine on the cover, like the Golden Books did, which was why they were called Golden Books. But instead of there being bunnies and flowers and other cute little things along the spine, there are instead skulls and snakes and swords and axes. And I love it. I mean, I would really like to have that as a framed poster hanging on my wall. That I say that a lot, but that would be just front and center in my main room because it's It touches on my childhood in so many different ways, but what with uh, Conan and the Golden Books, and I just, I love it so much. What about you? What's your favorite cover? Let me know on Twitter or threads or Instagram or Blue Sky or, you know, just send me an email, else at gmail.com. I like the bit where Conan takes on the room of armed men all by himself. Well, it's not my most favorite bit of the issue. We'll get to that in just a moment. It is probably number two. And not just because it shows Conan at his most brutal, at his most savage, you know, that Conan can take care of business when he wants to, but it's it's the fact that Kamal and Chandra, I don't know how long Conan has been working with the Glory Hounds at this point, but while they do know that he is more than capable, they've seen him kick a lot of ass in the, I guess at this point, short time that they've been together, they've never seen him 
like this before. They've never seen him at this level, just this beast, this monster, this machine that just, he's got this job to do. He has to kill all of these men in order for them to A, make it out of there alive, and B, fulfill the contract that they were hired to fulfill. And so he just gets down to business and he does it. And it really scares the two of them. That's That was a really good bit. That's Their reaction is something that I enjoyed more than the actual act itself. Now, my most favorite bit of this issue was Conan's ingenious way to get them out of the temple, which was just simply to pick up one of the men that he had cut down and killed and, and, and throw it through a window, breaking the glass so they could, they could escape the temple. Now, when it comes to my favorite bits, those are really the only two that I wanted to point out, and not because the rest of the book isn't good. It's just there's, there's not really a whole lot going on in this issue, and that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, this is the second issue of the arc. We've already gone through the heist as far as how they were going to get into the temple and how they were going to get Tareem's touch. And now that they have it, we get this bit where they have to escape and Conan has to kill a lot of people to do it. And really, I'm a bit confused by a lot of this issue. And that's nobody's fault but my own. That's that's just kind of the way I am. I just I get confused easily when there's a lot of information that's being thrown at me. Uh, you know, for example, I don't know, I'm not sure what the ending signifies. I mean, we had these three specters that were trying to get the vessel back, the the shard of Blackstone. And when they really kind of direct all of their attention, when they really start to notice Conan, they're just kind of like, oh, well, he has encountered the Blackstone before. And in fact, he has felt our master's touch so he may be the one who's worthy so we're just going to we're just going to go away and 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 let them do their thing so based on that information alone i don't know i'm still really confused because i don't quite understand exactly yet what the blackstone does in the first arc of course whoever touched it became i guess uh enthrall to the stone maybe i guess you could say that you know we we got that bit from the past when that entire village was in thrall of the Blackstone. We had the Picts who these lizard men were, were turning into undead warriors and they were in thrall of this Blackstone. And then Conan, we assume, kills whatever this entity is that is within the Blackstone. But then we find out, of course, at the very end that he didn't quite destroy it because sometime later, a it was either an, an Asgardian man or a Vannerman finds this little shard left over from the site. And it, of course, enthralls him as well. And that's how we get to, I guess, where we're at now. So I don't know exactly who these three specters represent or what they represent or what it is about Conan, you know, what, what's the point? What's the point of the black stone? What's going on here? Or is the black stone looking for someone such as Thulsa doom? I think that's the guy that we saw in the first four issues, who was basically the head dude of this cult of snake men who are under the, 
the influence of the the Blackstone? Are they looking for somebody like that, somebody powerful enough that can use the power of the Blackstone to do whatever it is the entity within the Blackstone needs to do? I just don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just a little confused. When Yakur, the monk, when he takes hold of the Blackstone and he realizes that it's empty, what does that mean? Was it just the three specters that were in the Blackstone and now that they're free, there's nothing there anymore? And is it more than just the three? And is the reason he is so scared at this point is that he knows that whatever was in there has escaped and it's now going to, you know, enthrall the entire world? What and what does that have to do with Conan? Why why did the three specters walk away basically when they came into contact with Conan? And yet at the same time, what's up with Chandra, who I'm assuming is still under the thrall of the Blackstone? Why is she then going to kill Conan? Why didn't they just do that there in the temple? I, I don't know. Maybe it's because when, you know, this is just now entering into my head. Sometimes I have to talk this stuff out in order to fully understand what it all means. But maybe when those three specters started to really notice Conan and they realized that Conan had come in contact with the vessel and had come in contact with their master, also, I guess, realized that he practically destroyed their master. And so they thought, nah, there's nothing we can do right now. He is way more powerful than he appears to be, he can take us out. Let's just leave. And then we'll send, we'll, we'll kill him when he is a bit more vulnerable. And that's what's going on there at the end of the story. That's, I, I, that's my guess. That's, that's what I'm going with so far. I'm still enjoying the series. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. If anything, my confusion in this issue just fuels my desire to get to issue number seven, because I'm sure once I read issue seven and issue eight, it's all going to make way more sense to me. And then I will be looking forward to the next arc. Hither Came Conan will return after these messages. And now back to Hither Came Conan. But yeah, those were my favorite bits, folks. Now that we've looked at those, how about we do a little... Well, I guess normally we would do news here. At least that's what I'd call it. But the news that I want to talk about has been out there for a while. So how about instead we call this segment Stuff That Was Once News, But By This Point Is Probably Common Knowledge. So there's some exciting things happening in the world of Conan. I talked a bit about this a couple of episodes back. I think it was when I talked about Marvel's Conan the Barbarian, issue number 21. But it seems that Jim Zub has this great big old Conan event planned for later this year, and it all begins on free comic book day. Now, this was all announced back in November, but I missed it. And, you know, that's pretty typical for me. Uh, again, I've talked about this before. I, I think I said it when we talked about issue number five, but this is not the podcast that you want to be subscribing to if you are here primarily to stay on top of all the new stuff coming out of the Conan franchise. But here's what the press release said. 
Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics are pleased to announce that Conan the Barbarian will feature as part of Free Comic Book Day, May 4th, 2024. Written by Jim Zub with art by Jonas Scharf, this issue will launch a Battle of the Blackstone event, which will roll out through late summer and into the fall, building on plot lines introduced in the critically acclaimed Conan the Barbarian ongoing series. Conan of Sumeria is haunted by shadows, a nightmare of events glimpsed beneath dark waters of the past. The unspeakable evil foretold by Fulsa Doom looms over the Hyborian Age at every age connected to it and will take more than a barbarian king to stop its relentless march upon time, space, and sanity. Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics, Conan the Barbarian has been a critical and commercial hit, becoming the highest-selling issue in Titan Comics history. With the series in its second year, Conan the Barbarian Free Comic Book Day edition will give readers a taste of what's to come, including art by brand-new Conan artist Jonas Scharf. And we have a quote here from Jim Zub. In May of 2023, we kicked off a brand-new era of the Hyborian Age and used Free Comic Book Day as our first charge to reach thousands of new and lapsed readers. Now, a year later, with record-breaking sales for heroic signatures and Titan and an energized readership, we are back and bigger than ever. There's never been a Conan the Barbarian event book before, but that changes in 2024 with Battle of the Black Stone. The mythic power at the heart of Robert E. Howard's legendary storytelling will be unleashed. Our free comic book day prelude issue is perfect for new readers as it sets the stage for high adventure, visceral action, and eldritch horror. So yeah, that is, that's certainly something to look forward to. I definitely am. I, I you know, he, Jim said it himself. There hasn't been a Conan event before in the comics. Not really. You know, they did some stuff during the Marvel run, the, the serpent crown thing that, had Conan in it, but it wasn't just a Conan event because it also had some other Robert E. Howard characters as well as Moon Knight. But this is a Conan event that's going to be, well, I'm assuming it's happening just within Conan the Barbarian. I don't know. Maybe we're going to get like a four to six main issue title called the Battle of the Blackstone that, you know, that's the event. And then stuff that's happening in Conan the Barbarian, and maybe even Savage Sword of Conan. Maybe there will be tie-in stories in those two titles as well. I don't know, but it's really, it's really exciting stuff. I'm really looking forward to it, and May cannot come soon enough. And speaking of which, the title to the next arc of the Titan Conan the Barbarian run, which is issues 9 through 12, that title has been revealed. It's called the Age Unconquered, and it brings back Roberto De La Torre. So that's also something to be super excited about. And they also released the four different covers that we're going to have for issue nine. And one of them, possibly the main cover, that's the one thing that maybe I just wasn't paying attention or maybe they haven't released. They, they show us the four covers, but they haven't told us which one is cover A which one is B, C, and D, and blah, blah, blah. But the first one that they sh have shown us is the Roberto De La Torre cover, and it features Conan standing before the character of Yag Kosha, who is in chains. And 
Yag Kosha is, of course, that elephant-headed alien from the Tower of the Elephant. And in fact, from what I can tell, looking at the cover, that's exactly what the cover is depicting, a scene straight from the Tower of the Elephant. And so the question that everybody has been asking, does that mean that issue number nine, the first issue of this new story arc, does that mean it's going to be an adaptation of Robert E. Howard's Tower of the Elephant? And I don't think so. Uh, At the very least, this could be one of those tribute covers. You know, maybe it's not the main cover. Maybe it's a variant and it's depicting Tower of the Elephant. But because it's not the main cover, because it's a homage that it has nothing to do with what's going on in the issue. Or, and this is where I'm kind of leaning, I think the cover does depict what we're going to see in that issue. And yet it's not an adaptation of the Tower of the Elephant. I'm going to give you my theory, but let's look at the facts first. One, this third arc, The Age Unconquered, it's going to be leading into the big Conan event. And we know that the Black Stone is going to be involved, right? I mean, after all, the event is called Battle of the Black Stone. Two, back in the episode in which I talked about Marvel's Conan the Barbarian number 21, I told you all about a short DM conversation through Twitter that I had with Mr. Zub, in which he told me that they would be, quote, using a lot of different Robert E. Howard stories to broaden our mythology, end quote. Third, think about what we've seen so far in just the first half of this current arc, Thrice Marked for Death. And that is, of course, flashbacks from the Queen of the Black Coast, but not just flashbacks. Each of the two issues have had at least one cover that had Belit from Queen of the Black Coast on that cover. And yet, we're not getting an adaptation of Queen of the Black Coast. So yeah, I don't think that this cover we are seeing here for issue number nine, I don't think it's either an homage cover, nor is it one that means we're going to get an adaptation of the Tower of the Elephant. I think, like Thrice Marked for Death, Whatever the age unconquered is about will have something to do with the events of Tower of the Elephant, but will also involve the Black Stone. So we're going to see events from Tower of the Elephant. It'll just be told in flashback, kind of like we're getting with Queen of the Black Coast here in Thrice Marked for Death. In fact, I'll throw another theory out there at you. Could the Black Stone have come from the same planet as Yagkosha? Could it be an artifact that his people brought with them however long ago it was that they came to our planet thousands and thousands of years ago or whatever? But I don't know. It's something to think about. I am am usually wrong about this stuff, but still, it's, it's something to think about. Actually, before we go, it's funny, as I was getting ready to start editing this episode, I had just finished recording it, and I was getting ready to start editing, and Jim Zub sends out a new installment of his newsletter, the Zubby Newsletter, number 43, The Unconquered Future. And he talks a bit about that cover to issue number nine. And he posted in this email an FAQ for questions that he's been getting since that cover released. And I'll just go through it here with you. The first question, wait a sec, is that Yag Kosha? You'll have to read Conan number nine to find out. Is this a new adaptation of Tower of the Elephant? 
No, this is a new story that builds on the canon Robert E. Howard stories and elements introduced in Conan 1 through 8. Will we see Doug Braithwaite and Diego Rodriguez return in the future? Yes, I'm thrilled to confirm that Doug and Diego are working on Conan number 13 through 16, our fourth story arc. What is best in life? Working on this series with this killer creative team. So, yeah, sorry about those voices there, but at least one part of my theory we know now to be correct and that this is not an adaptation of The Tower of the Elephant. And now we know that Doug and Diego are coming back for Conan issues 13 through 16, the fourth story arc. So, hey, there's some fairly new news for you. Anyway, I guess I'll, I'll get back to editing. And, you know, with that, folks, I believe we are done. Send me your thoughts, Stephen or else at gmail.com. And don't forget about the super secret Stephen Society. I'm hoping to have the next Hither Came Conan bonus episode out soon, which will be about the first issue of the Dark Horse Conan run from 2003. And it will be exclusive only to second level members and above until I have all six episodes talking about those first six issues completed, or I am unable to release an episode on the main feed due to life and all that kind of junk, you know, whichever comes first. So join now. Second level memberships are just $2 a month, and you will get more than just Hither Came Conan bonus episodes when you join. Secretsociety.stevenorelse.com, that link will be in the show notes. Beyond that, I want you to join me right back here on the next episode of Hither Came Conan as we dive back into the Marvel comics with Conan the Barbarian number 23 from November of 1972, The Shadow of the Vulture. And that's for reals this time. Until then, folks, keep your swords close by. Never stop treading them jewel thrones. And as always, be nice to each other. Bye. Feuds did Conan fight. Honor and fear were heaped upon his name. In time, he became a king by his own hand. This story shall also be told. From Stephen or Else Media, this is Hither Came Conan, treading the drool-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-bleh-b
The Sumerian wastes. The Sumerian wastes no time and is soon among them, his blade cutting each of them down like blades of grass. I'm going to change that because I don't like blade and blade. Blade, blade, the vampire hunter. The Sumerian wastes no time and is soon among them. I just don't think I can move through life knowing that a guy named Steven did this to me. Enough talk.